Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a joy it is to be with you today as the Lord has called us to this place to worship him. And I welcome you, whether you are a lifelong member or a newer member or a brand new visitor or whatever you are, it's the Lord that has brought you here and us together so that we can worship. And worship him we shall. But first, let me just make a few announcements and some introductions as well. Um, first announcement-wise, let me just point you to your bulletin. As lots of different things are going on, right? We're getting closer into fall, okay? With fall brings lots of new things, so just be aware. Um, other things going on, are like tonight, youth group. The, the bulletin is not correct because of me, not because of, of Stephanie, our administrative assistant. We are meeting at 5 p.m., youth group, leaving at 5 p.m. sharp, okay? We're doing sort of a back-to-school outing because can you guys believe it? School starts back this week. I don't even know. July was like a glimmer. I don't know if it was like that for you. But anyway, um, so that's what we're doing tonight. So youth group is at 5 o'clock tonight. We'd love to see your teenagers there. Speaking of back to school, uh, again, with the fall season, lots of stuff is starting back up, and some things are continuing. Um, but one of the things that is coming up very soon, and it'll be here, it'll feel like tomorrow, is homecoming. special night because as that group focuses, as that study focuses on how to support missions as senders, it's going to be special because the Cochrans are here with us today. And so now to introductions, I'm, I'm very pleased to introduce to you the Cochran family this morning. So Michael and Laura and Fox, y'all go ahead and, and stand up and, and wave to everybody. We'll do the, yes, the introduction thing. Yes, indeed. All righty. The, the Cochrans are doing a fantastic job in Gloucester, England, where Michael is a church planter. As I said last week, not only did we have the opportunity to visit with the Cochrans when I was moderator a couple of years ago, Isabella and I had the wonderful opportunity of living with the Cochrans while we quarantined with COVID when we got stuck in Europe. They very graciously took us into their home. And, and let me just say, not only are you guys a blessing for what you're doing for the Lord and, and his kingdom, but quite personally to the Malchus family, y'all are such a profound blessing. So it's, it's wonderful having you guys. Michael's going to be preaching this morning and offering the children's sermon. Um, and then he will be back tonight at 530 for our study group. Now, um, that's enough announcements. That, oh, I will say they've got a table set up over here. Michael will share a little bit about their work, but um, do greet them after the morning worship service. Now, that's enough announcements. Again, the Lord has called us here to worship him. So let's prepare our hearts for worship as Donna leads us in the prayer. call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 113 where it says hallelujah 
Give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is exalted above all the nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? The one enthroned on high. Pausing for just a moment, isn't that a wonderful question? How often do you stop to ponder this? To really dwell on who the Lord is. On what the Lord does. On what he has promised that he will yet do. The psalmist continues, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap in order to seat them with nobles, with the nobles of his people. He gives the childless woman a household, making her the joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. These are just two examples. Graciousness, his power, his might, his mercy. And my friends, this is evident in so many ways. But the fact that you are here right now, that he has given you this time set apart to come and worship him, reflecting on his greatness, is just further evidence of his love and of his mercy. And what greater call to worship can we have than this? Let's now go to our Lord in prayer, after which we will pray the Lord's Prayer and confess the Apostles' Creed. We're not using the screen, so a copy of those are available in your bulletin. that you have brought us to this place, that you have given us this time, that you have given us one another. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy. Thank you that in all of your might and power, you rule over the universe, and you know us, providing for our needs individually. As we come together in this time of worship, we pray that out of gratitude, out of respect, out of honor, out of love. And by your Holy Spirit, we pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that our worship would be pleasing to you, that you would fill us now and guide us in this time. We pray these things in Christ's name, and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's stand together as we continue in our worship by singing hymn number one, Praise Ye the Lord the Almighty, the red book in front of you, hymn number one. Please stand. seated and children come on down front we're going to see how many we have come on down guys Ooh, let's see here nope 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 we got a switch over there You got it, Michael.
spends it all, and then he finds himself very, very poor, very, very hungry. Some of you remember what he started to look at and thought was a good thing to eat. Does anyone remember this? I think some of us. He looked at the food that the pigs were eating. Does anyone have this? Anyone?
guys can go to Children's Church. As they are being dismissed, now let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I will lead us in the pastoral prayer. But let's go to him now. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, it is with the simple story of the prodigal son fresh in our minds that we come to you now with grateful hearts, praising you that you are who you are, that again your love is so immense and your grace is so wonderful and free. Like the prodigal, we have all gone our own ways so many times. Instead of doing that which you would have us do, we have our own priorities. Instead of focusing on your will for our lives, often enough we are only bothered by our wants and our perceived needs. And yet, as our loving Father, again and again you welcome us back, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. That when we would not and could not fulfill your law, Jesus stood in our place, and not only did he fulfill all the acts of righteousness, he took our sin on himself and purchased our redemption. We are so grateful, Father, for your love. We're so grateful for your provision, the fact that you did that which was, would be unthinkable to us. You sent your one and only Son to be the sacrifice for our sins, Father, in light of this, let us live. Let us love one another. Let us examine both the past, what we have done, the present, that which we're doing now, and the future as we move forward. Let us examine these things in light of your love and your calling. May we not be the prodigal and run away and do our own things. Let us also not be the son that stayed home that refuses to celebrate when people come to repentance, when souls are saved. Instead, remembering what you have done for us and the grand responsibility, yes, it's a responsibility to trust in you, but the grand privilege that you give us to be a part of your redemptive plan, to, to be a part of what you're doing in this place, in this community, in, in the world around us, Father, help us to keep these things in mind and to act in light of these. As we think about what you're doing in the world around us, again, it's with grateful hearts that we praise you for the ways that we see you at work. That people are still coming to know Jesus Christ. That you are using the power of the gospel of Christ to change the world around us. Let us not become so pessimistic and... in the paper or, 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 or see on the news. Let, let us not get bogged down in those things. Let us instead realize that you are working in our midst. 
evidence of that is just the sound of children as they've just left. Evidence of that is the fact that the Cochrans are here today. We praise you for the work that they are doing. We ask that you would be with them and strengthen them again and again and encourage them and, and use a place where so many do not know Jesus Christ. So many do not have the hope of the gospel. I thank you for the good work that has been done, but again, I pray for encouragement as they move forward. I pray this for the rest of our missionaries and the church around the world. We take so much for granted, Father. Make us mindful of the blessings that you have given, and let it not inspire in us laziness or taking things for granted, but instead, in gratitude, let us move forward for the sake of your kingdom. We pray for our missionaries, that they again would be strengthened. We pray for your church, especially your church that is in harm's way, that you would bolster them in their faith again and again and use them. As we think about the challenges that are faced, we know that they are untold. And, and here, in, in the ease of our comfort, we know that, that our missionaries and, and our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world face problems that we don't exist. So please, intervene. If it is a matter of healing that is needed, medical conditions that are faced, please intervene and bring that. If it's a matter of encouragement that is needed, please spur them on. Correct. But we pray that you would continue to build your church. We know that you will. We know your son has made that promise. But Father, let us be a part of these things. And let us be ever mindful of our calling again as we move forward. As we think about the world around us, we know the need for Jesus Christ. As we consider those hard things that we hear, tragedies that take place, wars and rumors of wars, let us know that let us rest more and more on Christ. And let us see his name proclaimed. Let us be about your business, Father. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. And now let us continue in our time of worship by taking our Bible song book and turning to 263. That's the green book in front of you. 263 as we sing, God shall guard from every ill, taken from the 121st Psalm. But it's Bible song 263. Please stand.
Let's go to our Lord, our Father, with the words of the 121st Psalm in mind. We are reminded that you provide for us in every way. And so now, as we come to this portion where we return to you, I pray that you would help us to be mindful. for your kingdom, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, it is a uh, great pleasure to be with you all this morning, and it is one of those um, fun things to do in order to return the favor of getting to stay with the Malfresses. Uh, Patrick preached for our church, and uh, so it is wonderful to have the privilege to bring the Word of God uh, this morning. Uh, before we come to Psalm 38, just a little bit about us and about our ministry. Uh, we've been in the United Kingdom now for five and a half years. We've actually applied for uh, what's called indefinite leave to remain. And uh, we have, uh, over the last three years, uh, been working with planting a church in the city of Gloucester. Gloucester's about two hours by train uh, from London, west. And it's a city of about 130,000. It's the, the seat of the county there. And uh, it's a place that has, um, for starters, no uh, reformed church, um, very few evangelical churches uh, in the city. And the UK in general has about a church attendance of 1% of the total population. Uh, so any city in the United Kingdom is end, ends up being a good place to see a church planted. Um, so we were very blessed to have a mother church uh, in a nearby city that had been looking at planting in Gloucester um, for many years and us coming on board, working with them, uh, was we were able to then start a, a new church with about, I think we started with about 14 uh, individuals total, several families. Um, which put us at a very good starting point for a church plant in the United Kingdom. Um, over that time, we have had members come, and uh, we've had members move away. Um, on a good Sunday, we are about 35 to 38 in the morning. And again, this actually puts us in a place of being a healthy uh, church plant in the United Kingdom. So there's a lot of setting our sights and our goals um, a lot lower uh, in terms of what we're looking for and what we're hoping and praying for uh, but in that time, the Lord has been incredibly gracious to us. Uh, we now have a co-pastor, a British man who's now laboring beside me. He's uh, the one helming the church while we're away. This was a, uh, something that we weren't looking for, something that we didn't expect to happen, and it was one of these great providences of the Lord. Uh, he's also provided for us places for us to meet for morning uh, and for evening worship. Uh, and in that time, we have had uh, two people come to know the saving faith of the Lord, which has been um, absolutely wonderful and an incredible blessing and an encouragement. Um, we've also had over our time of a little under three years, um, five baptisms. Um, and uh, we actually have scheduled this year two more. Um, so we're very thankful. Some of those are covenant children. Um, some of those are children who have come to know the Lord uh, later. And um, one of them was an adult who had come to know the Lord. Uh, so these are just huge encouragements um, for us. And uh, just to be really brief, um, you can continue to pray for us, pray for us while we're here stateside and, and away from our church as we travel around, um, doing all of the uh, work of just updating and encouraging folks, because uh, primarily our, our biggest, um, if you will, encouragement is just simply that the prayers of the people of the Lord, the prayers of, of the ARP and of the ARP churches that support. those prayers and I'm here to just simply say um, as being new here to many of you um, please do uh, consider praying for us we have a, a newsletter sign up over there we very much value your prayers in terms of seeing the church grow in, in ways in which we can in continue to engage the community long term we would love to have our own facility to be a permanent place in the city of Gloucester there's many more things that we are eager and hopeful to do uh, but um, yes please um, head over there we have prayer cards um, we've made these little um, key cards that do have British tea attached to them. 
And uh, please take those and sign up for the newsletter uh, if you would like to continue to keep up with us and pray for us. Um, so anyway, just thank you for letting me uh, say that, and thank you for the opportunity to bring uh, the Word of God this morning. Uh, so we come to Psalm 38 uh, to hear these wonderful words of David as he comes to the Lord uh, in prayer. Uh, before we do that, let us just pray and then hear what God has to say. An errant and inspired word. Lord, that you did not leave us to grasp on our own the things that you are concerned about. You did not leave us without a witness and a testimony to your goodness, your graciousness, and your steadfast love. And so we pray as we come to these words to hear of a repentant sinner finding grace. Lord, would you encourage all of us that, Lord, we can take these words upon our lips. We know of our sin and our circumstances. And may we know more of your grace and your mercy. Lord, speak to us this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 38, a psalm of David for the memorial offering. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O oh Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails, and the light of my eyes, it has also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof. Seek my hurt, speak of my ruin, and meditate treachery all day long but i am like a deaf man i do not hear like a mute man who does not open his mouth i have become like a man who does not hear and whose mouth are no rebukes but for you O lord do i wait it is you O lord my god who will answer for i said only let them not rejoice over me he who boasts against me when my foot slips for I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. And many are those who hate me wrongfully, those who render me evil for good. Because, accuse me, because I follow after good. I do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Well, coming to this psalm of David, you can see as we have read this aloud that David is coming to the Lord in prayer because of his sin. He is coming to the Lord in prayer because of his sin. He is facing what seems to be the just consequences of his actions. And all around and mixed up in this, there are real enemies who are seeking his downfall. 
It's a wonderful psalm to have in the book of Psalms, indeed, to be included in our Bible. Because how many of us can attest to times And then have faced the consequences of these actions. And it's in those moments of despair and in those moments of thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I should have known better. I should have not ended up in this situation to begin with. If any of you have been a teenager, you can probably remember times of foolish things that were said or done. At least I can. And you think in those moments, what is our response supposed to be? What should we do in those moments in which we are crushed down of the weight of our own stupidity and sin? And Psalm 38 wonderfully says, you should go to the Lord. You should go to the Lord in prayer, for from his hand comes certainly his chastisement and his discipline, but also comes his healing and his salvation. Psalm 38 simply is a a psalm that shows us that when Jesus spoke about the prodigal son, that it and abiding and eternal truths that the Lord will welcome you back. That the Lord will not just casually bring you back in and look on you with disdain, but rather he will run to you, flinging open his arms wide and embrace you. And David here comes to the Lord in prayer precisely because of his faith. Four headings. The first eight verses, David is simply praying for healing. Verses 9 through 14, he is praying for restoration. In verses 15 through 20, he is praying for vindication. And finally, 21 through 22, it is a prayer for salvation. David begins this psalm as we should begin all of our prayers, as Jesus, when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, right? He begins by saying, Our Father who art in heaven. David begins, O Lord, or Yahweh, or Jehovah, the covenant name of God. He comes into his presence. And notice the way in which he comes. He he comes to a God who is above all righteous and holy in all that he does. And it's interesting that David here, he seems to be saying in verse 1, not that the Lord shouldn't rebuke him or that the Lord shouldn't discipline him. David knows his scriptures and he knows that discipline and rebuke are, are good things. From the Lord, as the book of Proverbs and the book of Hebrews tells us, it is good and it it is a loving thing when the Heavenly Father disciplines us, just as faithful parents will discipline wayward children. Mr. David is not necessarily coming to the Lord saying, please stop rebuking me or disciplining me. Anger or discipline me in your wrath, but do so in kindness. And compassion, his prayer is that the Lord would be compassionate upon him. David is pleading, pleading for mercy. He is pleading that the Lord would, would lift his hand off of him. In verse 2, he, 
speaks about the ways in which God has unfurled, if you will, his anger against him. He uses these terms of arrows and the Lord's hand upon him. In the scripture, God's arrows often are the, the lightning and the thunder, these great storms that come. And God seems to be, as he were, firing from heaven, these great thunderbolts of his wrath upon the earth. Our time in the UK, one of the things we noticed were there was an almost complete lack of thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. I'm told there's two mountains here, and so I hesitate to wonder what thunderstorms sound like here. But they sound like the true wrath of God, don't they? When the buildings shake and lightning crashes to the gap to the ground you can have some appreciation of the lord and his wrath can't you and david here seems to be feeling as if he is the 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 one who is being played for for target practice his arrows have sunk into me it's as if god has reached down out of heaven and is pushing david down david feels this he continues, there's no soundness in my flesh. Interesting counterpoint to the book of Job. In Job, we have a man who is righteous before the Lord, suffering. And here in Psalm 38, David appears to be an unrighteous sufferer. But yet, both Job and David, in a sense, respond in the same way. They respond in prayer they respond in coming to the lord and notice how easy it would be for david to complain about his situation or to look out at his situation as if all of these things were coming to him just because the world was unfair but yet david knows that everything that's happening to him is coming from the lord he says at the end or in the beginning in the middle of verse 3 because of your indignation there is no health in my bones. The reason that I am in such a state is because you are angry at me. And isn't that an interesting concept? To think about here that the Lord is angry at one of his saints. That the Lord is angry because he is seeing one of his own that he has bought with the blood of Christ. Someone who he has or will atone for their sins with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, going out, foolishly doing things to provoke him to anger, sinning against his law. And it becomes even worse because David, as the king of Israel, is put into a position of power, and he's even given all of these great blessings, and he's even given the law to write and to meditate on. That of all the people in Israel, the one man who should know better is David. And the Lord is angry over him. And then he continues. Not only is the Lord, is he suffering because of the Lord's indignation, but he understands at the end of verse 3, it is because of my sin. David knows the source that this anger is coming from the Lord, and he knows the cause. David is under no delusions. He does not view the Lord as unjust. Rather, he knows that he is a sinner. 
In many ways, David is probably wrestling with this idea that I have sinned in such a way. We, we don't know what sin he's speaking of, but we do know that David over his lifetime committed at least two monumentally grievous sins. One of those was with the adultery with Bathsheba and killing her husband. The other was taking a census of Israel. He committed these two monumentally grievous sins. And likely here we're not told the to sin because David just simply is a sinner like you and I. And then he says, for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. It sounds as if possibly John Bunyan had this in mind when he speaks of Pilgrim and the Pilgrim's progress with this heavy load upon his back. You may remember in the story he ends up going through the, the slough of the spawn, this, this miry muck of mud. And he's just weighed down by it. He is just sinking. And here David is just recognizing how his iniquities, how his sin. And I think here by the power of the Holy Spirit, David has something of a glimpse of the way in which God views his sin. It is like this heavy burden. It is causing him to sink down. And then he continues, my wounds stink and fester. I'm utterly bowed down. I am prostrate. I am mourning. My sides are filled with burning. He seems to be in this state where in which he is being oppressed by people without and whatever this sickness or illness within. He is crushed, he said. I am feeble. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. David is in a pitiable state. He finds himself at this position in which his own stupidity, his own foolishness, his own sin have brought the just wrath of God against him. But yet you'll note that he begins this by praying. By coming to the Lord and asking that he would alleviate his suffering. Rebuke me, but not in anger. Discipline me, but not in wrath. And David continues to pray for restoration in verses 9 through 14. The Lord, you, you, you see everything. You know. You, you know my sin, but at the same time, you know the ways in which I've tried to follow after righteousness. His strength fails him. And then David continues that not only is his strength failing him, but so are his friends and family. And again, you have to think of the way in which Job was treated. Job here who looks as if he's being crushed by the Lord because of his sin and iniquity. Everyone abandons him except for three friends who managed to make it worse. And here David says, even those who they look upon me and they see the Lord's hand against me. And so they stand aloof. And my nearest kin, my closest family, have all but abandoned me. And then it gets worse. 
Then David speaks about in this time in which I am being laid low by the Lord for my own sin, enemies like vultures are now circling. There are those who look at David and they want his downfall. And it's interesting, the use of the word here, meditate, treachery all day long. The psalm. Meditate on how they can harm him. And David has no strength, it seems, to even respond, whether to hear or to speak. I've become like a man who does not hear and I cannot rebuke them. He is like silent before his enemies. And so David here, he is laying out to the Lord his condition. And in this, he is certainly asking the Lord to reverse it, as we'll see throughout the rest of this psalm. Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you lift me back up again? And as he'll pray, would you deal with my enemies? In verses 15 through 20, this is exactly what he's praying for. And another thing that I, I love about Psalm 38 is how messy it is. Notice the, the problems that are inherent in the psalm. David, who has sinned. Would you deal with these enemies as well? When you read this psalm, it, it seems like a counseling nightmare of all the problems that David is going through. How do you sort through these? And David prays, Lord, help. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. What wonderful words there after he has been crushed by the Lord, after his enemies are surrounding him as his friends have abandoned him. David does not lose hope in the Lord. You will answer. In verse 16. At David's suffering, waiting for his ultimate downfall. In verse 18, as David continues, I confess my sins, my iniquity before you, and I am sorry for my sin. And this is where it is leading in this psalm. David is, is seeing the hand of the Lord against him. It is for the ultimate purpose. And God is doing this to David, not out of vindictive anger. He is doing it so David would, in a sense, come to the end of himself and find his need for repentance and reconciliation. <coughs> and so David is sorry for his sins. He has confessed his sins to the Lord. And right, what do we see in the, the New Testament? Those And yet they tell us to confess. That we confess our sins. It says he is faithful and just to forgive us. It's wonderful to see the way in which the Bible is, is saying the same thing from different ways at different times. So that we are, are always, we are never left with a time in which we do not know what we're supposed to do.
If you're caught in sin, the New Testament says, go to the Lord. And David continues reminding the Lord that his foes are surrounding him. And notice that the difference that David is painting between the justice of the Lord and the injustice of his enemies. David is saying that what you are doing, Lord, is, is just with a purpose to help me to repent. Whereas his foes are, are seeing this as an opportunity to destroy him. Uh, David has said, I have sought to follow after the good. I have sought to return good in times of evil. But these are people who see that and return evil to them. So David is, is facing not only the wrath of God, but the injustice and the effects of sin upon the world. And he's praying to the Lord to help him in the midst for, of that. And finally, David ends in 21 and 22. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. He is praying that as the Lord has, has sought to, it seems, to crush him. He is praying that, Lord, turn your face upon me. Like the ancient benediction in Numbers, Lord, make your face shine upon me. Would you be gracious to me? Would you turn your eye upon me and see me? Remember your love and your care and your compassion. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. recorded as prayers but not necessarily do they have immediate answers and you note the way that Psalm 38 ends is a, is a plea for God to help but we're not told here in Psalm 38 of his immediate help David has said repeatedly I will wait upon the Lord even if his immediate circumstances do not improve immediately and so as we come to the end of this psalm, I, I think it's easy to see that one of the main applications of this is that though we are sinners, and though we sin and sometimes can sin spectacularly, and though God in his anger will discipline us, David in this psalm says, instead of running from the Lord like Adam and Eve tried to do, David says, go to the Lord. Put to the test his kindness and his compassion and his forgiveness. Come to the Lord. And you think of David here as he writes this, he doesn't really know how all of this will be accomplished. And I think as I read the Psalms and, and meditate on the Psalms, you, you find out that David doesn't quite understand how God will one day bring about bringing people into his family. David has a system in which the animals are continually sacrificed for his own sin. He doesn't understand how God will fully and finally accomplish all of this. And yet look at the faith that he demonstrates. And in many ways it brings great shame upon me because as we turn our pages into the New Testament, we see this shining 
and wonderful view of God's justice and his mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on the cross that we see God pouring out his just wrath. And it's in the cross that we see God's mercy flowing forth. And this is something David only knew in part that we know more fully. And yet if David can respond in this way in these difficult times, How much more should we be able to respond during times of difficulty, even if we've caused our own difficulty? We should be the continually welcome us into his family. And so, brothers and sisters, I simply would say, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you find yourself caught and mired in sin, well, the answer is come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not previously come to him, think of what David is presenting to you here. He's presenting a God who is just, but also who is caring. One who is kind and loving. One who doesn't tolerate sin, but makes a way that sin would be dealt with. And David would say, if you do not know the Lord's mercy, come, taste, and see. For the Psalms paint this picture that the righteous, those who are clothed in the righteousness of God, find eternal blessing. But the wicked who arrayed themselves against the Lord and his anointed, he will crush. And so David says, come, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was abandoned by and the devil have been defeated and the one who calls all of humanity to come to him he sends his disciples out into the world that they would teach and proclaim and baptize and that is our job today let us pray heavenly father we pray that we would come to you to know your mercy afresh this morning Lord, we know that we are sinners, though we may be saved and clothed by the blood of the Lamb, yet we know in our hearts that we have sinned against you in word, thought, and deed. And Lord, it seems hard to reconcile these two things of being saints and yet sinners, and yet we know that's where we find ourselves. So Heavenly Father, we pray that you would continue to discipline us as sons, but yet not in your wrath or in your anger, and that you would give us grace and mercy today helping us to kill and put to death this old man of sin, that we may walk in ways pleasing to you. May we ever behold the Lord Jesus Christ who walked in righteousness and who bids us to come to taste, to see, that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. So we ask this now in his name, for his glory and in his grace. Well, our closing song is My Jesus, I Love Thee, number 405 in the hymn book.
hear the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.